So Welcome to Thinking Religion, the, the show about what? <laughs> then we should start it. I thought you were waiting on me. I thought you were waiting on me. Oh, God, we fumbled it again. You would we're think we're we like the... Uh, for how many years have we been doing this? <laughs> like the Baltimore... What's a football team? The, the, the Ravens or something. Um, yeah, just like that. Yeah. Welcome to Thinking Relig- Religion, the show about politics, faith... Love, leather, and lace. It's we're we're like a Stevie Nicks song. Yeah, and come to think of it, we kind of are. Um, <laughs> you in the moonlight with your sleepless eyes. I knew so, you never want to leave. Sorry. Do we start with good news or like lighthearted stuff, or do we start with bad news? Uh, good news. Uh, Nikki Haley just said to the UN that she must condemn the aggressive actions of Russia in the eastern Ukraine. Uh, in eastern Ukraine, there is no the, you, you know. Right, sorry. exactly. Yeah, That's pretty cool. Uh, and Obama was on the beach today in, in the BVI with his hat backwards. Did you yeah. see that? Yes. He's never coming back. Great. And we learned that Beyonce <laughs> is pregnant with twins. <sighs> she's, a, she's a handsome woman. Did, yes. you, did you see the, uh, the 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 almost nude photos? Yeah, her like pregnancy photo shoot. Yeah, it pretty yeah, much. That was, was, yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. And, yeah, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. But yeah, they they're they're trying to uh, distract us with the Beyonce. Don't you think? Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know. That the Trump administration actually cares about Beyonce. She's not traditionally american enough i'm talking about the lizard people that live under oh, you know antarctica who are taking yeah. over yeah they they're trying to distract us with the uh so is it are you typing on your new macbook pro yes i am what does it sound like over the mic it's okay i mean it's better than like this thing you know here let me let me type <laughs> this is my uh hear that that that's yeah. the sound of a satisfying click right there. Yeah. Um. I have a, I have an old school DOS keyboard. Um. You still like your your new MacBook Pro? It's great. I love it. Yeah. Every time you ask me, I still I still love it. It is. Yeah, it's great. And the keyboard is really nice. You know. So we, we've talked about that a little bit off the air. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but you know oh, they've got this new know. kind of butterfly hinge that they're using with the keyboards. And so on a traditional keyboard, the I guess spring hinge thing or whatever is kind of right in the center. And so that's why the key will kind of maybe fall one side or the other when you're typing on it. Uh, and, and there's a greater likelihood that you will hit a key and actually kind of depress it, but it won't actually register. Um, and so this butterfly design, it, you can't hit any part of the key without it registering, but it also doesn't have to go down quite as far. And so it's just this really minimal um, distance that it has to travel so that's why it it sounds the way it does where you can just you know I think you said one time it kind of sounds like I'm just tapping on glass um, and, and I've, so I've really I've really gotten used to it it's obviously a lot flatter uh, and I like that but yeah um, I was actually putting some stuff in the show notes about it was it was all bad news though that's like pretty much what our whole show notes are today it's all bad news and all of this stuff is stuff that happened in the last 24 hours. Mm. Well, 
So I, I wonder, you know, with that, is it is it intentional? Like, you know, are all these things coming out kind of like, you know, rapid fire succession, fire hose mentality? Or is it, you know, is it just that's what people want? You know, people want to constantly kind of have that that tweet effect, you know, or like that news feed effect of something happening, something happening, something happening. Yeah, things are speeding up, it feels like, right? Um, for sure. Well, they're going definitely going fast. I saw a, a poll today that compared um, Trump and Obama's numbers, kind of, you know, the pace of what of their actions. Do you think it's too slow, too fast, about right? And um, significantly more said that Trump was too fast. So like 45% said he was going too fast as opposed to like, Obama was at 29% at the same time in his presidency, I think. And actually, Obama had, uh, by this time, he had more uh, cabinet members confirmed and things like that. So, I mean, the question that I keep hearing a lot, right, and you and I have talked about this, is is this by design? You know, um, there was this kind of, at this point, I think it's not much more than a meme, uh, but this talking point going around, particularly in uh, moderate and liberal circles, that oh, this is a distraction from this other thing. And I, I don't know that I buy that. Uh, I really just think that uh, Trump and his team, uh, lar- led largely by uh, Steve Bannon, the former Breitbart News editor, um, that there's just these things they want to do. They promise to do them and they're trying to do them. Uh, I happen to think a lot of them are pretty horrible things. Um. And I don't think that there's some master plan to do this thing and get people outraged so that they can distract from this other horrible thing. Uh, I think that they're just kind of doing a bunch of, in my opinion, horrible things. And um, I also think we're just seeing a gross level of incompetence in the White House. Right? So in the past 24 hours, Donald Trump has um, hung up on Australia, on the... um, uh, who was it? The prime minister? Uh, is that who he's talking to? Um, and yeah, uh, the prime minister of Australia, uh, in a phone call apparently was too tired and also got mad about, um, an agreement that the Obama white house had made to take in refugees whom Trump called illegal aliens and had a very, very testy conversation with the Australian prime minister, one of our strongest allies. And then, in another phone call, threatened to invade Mexico. Like literally threatened to send in our army because he didn't think the Mexican army was, uh, that they were, he thought that they were too scared to handle the drug problem there. And so, I mean, it's like, oh, like, I mean, who would have thought who, right? Yeah. He, he literally said to the president of Mexico, you've got some bad hombres there and I think your army is scared and mine's not. I might just have to send mine down there and take care of those bad hombres. I mean, besides the fact that, that is horribly offensive, um, of all the bad things we, th- we thought could happen, some of them that you and I've talked about have already happened, but I don't think on anybody's list was oh, we might have ruined our relationship with Mexico and Australia within a 24-hour span. Right? I mean, just kind of 
crazy. Well, but half the country would say that that's a good thing, right? No, you know, well, no, we're I don't think. Half, I, don't think I don't think half the country would say that. You don't right? think not so? even half the country voted, and not even half of those people voted for Trump. Well, when you look at the map, Thomas, the number of counties. <laughs> oh God! Okay. We should have a show about that one day, right? We should we should actually talk about um, th- those types of arguments, right? That oh, Hillary only won like you know fifty sixty five counties or something in the whole country. Well, but she won more people because more people happen to live in those sixty five counties, right? And kind of one of the fundamental problems of the electoral college is that it um, means that a vote in rural Wyoming counts more than a vote in Chicago or Atlanta or Miami or New York or L.A. So are, are you a fan of doing away with the Electoral College and going with the popular vote? I don't know. Honestly, I'm kind of torn on this because um, I think in a lot of cases – popular vote is not the best way to do things, particularly when it comes to like the rights of minority groups. Yeah. That, that would I, be, you know, something I don't Thomas think Jefferson ever, right. Exactly. You don't, uh, almost never does the majority vote to give the minority rights. Um, and so I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure the popular votes the best way to go. I, I do think the electoral college is a problem. I mean, I've thought that for a while, not just for this election, um, but there are, there could be other ways that you could do the electoral college or you could still have that system, but actually weight the votes more fairly. Um, I don't know, just the idea that, you know, my vote should count more because I live in, you know, Idaho or, well, no, but Florida. Yeah, but Floridians' votes count less than a vote from somebody in like Wyoming or Nebraska or North Dakota for the electoral yeah, that, college that's purposes to protect the people from Wyoming or southern states that had that have slaves. You know, that's, that's <laughs> right. to make sure that we we count because we only have three fifths of a men for our yeah. So I mean, Africans. And that's that's another narrative, right? That we that we have that, of course, the Republicans are trying to push is that they have this mandate, which is just kind of laughable. Like, you didn't even come close to winning the popular vote um, in the presidential election. You didn't win the popular vote in the uh, Senate, and I think the House either, right? So you clearly don't have a mandate, but they won. They won the electoral college. You know, they he won on a technicality, which obviously bothers him. That's why he continues to talk about it. Right. And, and apparently yeah, but, uh, what the reporting is like he even brought it up in his phone calls with world leaders talking about his win. It's like, seriously, like you're a kid. Well, of course, he is. But Democrats brought this on the, on themselves for a couple of reasons. Number one, the whole nuclear option deal with the 60 vote. Um, you know, super right, majority. The filibuster which, when they took that away for judicial nominees, except for the Supreme right. Court. So, I mean, they, they started that. And then Obama no secret was a big fan of executive orders and you know there were a number of sort of I, w- I won't say overreaches but a lot of people were uncomfortable by the way that the executive office for the first time behaved in a way that was kind of counter to how the executive office had been understood so it's understandable that some people would say well we're just doing what you democrats started between the supermajority, you know stuff and as well as the executive orders. 
You know, right? I, yeah, I, no, I think that's right. I do think that that's an argument that uh, a lot of people are making and, and they're justified in making it. I also think that we, um, we, we're not being honest with ourselves if we don't admit that a lot of what Trump is able to do now is because of what Obama did, because he laid the groundwork in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I think that we have to admit that. And, you know, there were there were some on the left that were uh, critical of Obama uh, in certain areas, but the majority of the left was not. Right. Um, and, and I think that that's that's on them. I mean, that that's wrong. That's on us. You know, I, I would include myself in that. Um, and I don't think that we were, you know, I was vocal some, but I don't think we were vocal enough. Um so, no, I, I think you're right that, that yeah, there is some of that kind of coming back, you know, to roost. But I also think that what we're seeing now, um, as far as the procedures and stuff, is, is not that different. But the policies that are getting pushed out, obviously, the, you know, immigration and the refugee ban um, was, I mean, everything I've read about it has just talked about the just com- utter incompetence of it. It looked like, you know, that they didn't even have kind of a first year law student look at it is, you know, what people are saying. I mean, it's just, you know, poorly done and they kept it close to the chest um, because Trump is that's what he's used to in his business. And that's not how the government works. Um, so I think he's comfortable with that. But I also think some people around him are wanted that way, too, because they know that if they allow others to have some oversight, that they're going to change it and they're not going to be able to do the things that they want to do. So uh, how do you think that the Democrats should line up for like 2018 in terms of, I mean, uh, let alone the immediate stuff, which is one thing, but do you think there's a, a party there in 2018 or do you think that, you know, we, we, I don't know. I, I'm just intrigued, let alone by the whole situation as we have it now, but we thought that the, that the Republican Party was going to be the one that was undone by this election. Right. And we talked about this on the show. And then it turns out it's actually the Democrats who are scrambling around trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? You know, there are these protests on the day after Trump is inaugurated. And we're going to kind of tepidly put our feet in the water and say, like, rah, 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 but don't, you know, don't, don't get us too close to that. And then Trump writes the... Um, executive order about immigration and there are huge protests and mostly every major American airport or spontaneous after the inauguration was planned for weeks, maybe even, you know, months before then. Um, And this is spontaneous. Like people showing up at the airport saying like the, the the mayor of Baltimore or Boston showing up with the bullhorn and saying, all right, let's keep this going. I'll see you tomorrow down in the town square. Yeah. Don't stop. But, I haven't seen any besides Elizabeth Warren in Massachusetts. Cory Booker. But but you haven't seen any sort of you know major Democratic figures. Yes, Chuck Schumer cried, but and and that was very heartfelt, you know, and, and his family went through a lot with the Holocaust, and and you know for the people that want to make fun of that, then there's a, a special place in the afterlife for them. But um. You know, like, uh, why hasn't the Democratic Party been able to attach itself to the 
feeling of, of unrest and distrust that a lot of people clearly have and, and being able to motivate themselves to create these situations. I mean, last night, you know, in California, right. I mean, that was huge. At UC Berkeley, yeah. Right, at Berkeley. Which, you know, Berkeley's Berkeley, but still, like, that was that was a major situation. Like, why aren't the Democrats hopping into that? Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this out myself. I think that there's time left for 2018. There's not a whole lot of time before you have to actually start doing stuff. Um, and with the national appetite the way it is right now, if you wait much longer, you're going to kind of miss your shot. Um, and I think that part of the problem is what's happening on the national level uh, in the Democratic Party. Um, there are other state level issues. Um, some states are better than others. Uh, their their party is, but right on the day of the women's march, the majority of the candidates for the to be the next chair of the DNC were at a fundraiser. It's not like they didn't know the women's march was going, or they were there that weekend. A couple of them left to then go to the women's march, but a couple of them didn't leave and stayed at this you know big kind of fundraising event. And that's, I, 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 you know, I understand as well as anybody. Hey, you gotta, you gotta raise some money to do the things you want to do, but man, the optics of that are horrible. And and I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't hey, know. It's what like they they're, it's like they're uh, pre-screening, uh, pre-screening Finding Dory, in the <laughs> right in the White House. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I think that. What what's you know uh, excited me has been the kind of groundswell, uh, you know, mostly kind of grassroots movements that we're seeing. There are some of them that are you know being led or really pushed to some degree, maybe co-opted by certain uh, figures. But for the most part, you know, people are saying we got to do something. What can I do? Okay, and now they're actually sharing action steps. Right? We talked about this last time. I think these newsletters you can sign up for. You, you know, I. Now I've signed up for a number of them. So basically every day in my inbox, I've got one or two newsletters saying, hey, here are the steps you can take today. Here's the person, you know, this is the vote that's important. You can call, you know, these people today on this vote. You know, call your members of Congress on this. Call your elected officials about that. Um, Because that's doing so much, you know. I mean, we're we're totally blocking the Rex Tillersons and the the Betsy DeVos. Okay, but okay, with Betsy DeVos, it looks like she's going to be 50-50. But they did flip two two Republicans. They did get two Republicans to um, not vote for her or to say they're not going to vote for for her. So it's going to be education. It's going to be 50-50. I know. And Mike Pence is going to be the tiebreaker vote, and he's going to vote for her, and she'll get approved. But the thing is— Exactly. it's not about, I mean, for some people, they don't want to get any of these people confirmed. They're going to get confirmed. That's just what the numbers are in the Senate right now. Uh, We pretty much don't have a a shot at that. But it does keep Democrats voting the way a lot of their constituents want them to, not all the time. Um, But my point is that it it's working, right? I mean, I'm seeing all those no, reports from Capitol Hill reporters today. It's not working. That, like what everybody's talking about on Capitol Hill today are the phone lines just overwhelmed about the DeVos vote. And, that, and so what? I mean, like people, you know, from Idaho, the, the congressman was like, hey, I know you can't, you can't get through because all the liberals are blocking up our phone lines, but if you really need me, like tweet me here 
or send a, a message to this person. Like, it doesn't, we're going to get, I'm not saying we as in Democrats, but the Democratic Party is going to get slaughtered in 2018. Because I don't know. they I are think, so I think out of touch. I think there are a couple messages. Um, I, I, I think they still have a shot. Um, mainly because of, I mean, right now, I think the strongest message is, hey, Hillary, you don't have to say it this way, but Hillary Clinton was right. He is not qualified to be commander in chief, right? He is, but he is utterly incompetent, right? And, and so sure. and so you talk about his incompetence and you tie the Republicans to it, which is not that hard because they're just but, backing everything that he does. No, but Tom, that, that's the thing. Like, he's incompetent, but the representatives and senators on both sides, but it, I mean, I would say especially, the, you know, some of the Republican Party are grossly incompetent, but they're they're there. And they didn't get there because, well, you know, they were, you know, just kind of put in place. Like they were elected to that position, and the Democrats are doing nothing to throw that over, or, or just to raise questions about a different direction for the country. And saying that someone is grossly incompetent is not a way to, to get a party back in power, or, or even get a, a seat at the table anymore. I mean, sure, he's grossly incompetent, but so is Beyonce, so is Britney Spears, so is you know whoever. Like, it doesn't matter well, about competency anymore in okay. any position. My point, my point is, midterms typically uh, benefit the uh, minority party or the party that's out of you know out of the White House. If that minority party has stepped up, and if there's enough unrest and distrust, but the Democrats have not been able to tap into that, even from the people that would vote for the Democrats, like at the you know, the women's marches and, and the air, airport marches or protests, like the Democratic Party has failed at really like getting that motivated to do other things. I mean, people are giving lots of money to the ACLU, but the ACLU is not a political party. And I, yes. I, I really think like I think a lot of liberals, I think a lot of especially young liberals and liberals with money have not given up on the Democratic Party. But I think they've said, you know what, they're not going to do anything like. I think they kind of agree with the 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 you know the four chan crowd who says, well, yeah, they're part of the elite. I, I think that I, I think lead, there need to be leadership changes on the national level, um, and it it's not that I, th- I mean, just that I agree. Like at a certain point, you gotta you just have to make some changes that are maybe nothing more than symbolic, but that it shows people that it's not Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Like, if we'd made that change in September of 2015, 2014, you know, we'd be in a different country right now. But just breaking now, President Trump is going to sign a number of executive orders at 12 p.m. on Friday. And I bet it's going to be about religious freedom. Yeah. Including the Johnson Amendment. Right. No, I I think, yeah, um, I do. Yeah, we're going to see that come down the pike for sure. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, sure, symbolic would be great, but... I mean, it, it's like the Tea Partification of the Democratic Party, but the problem is the Democrats, even more than I, I think, even more than the Republicans, are are really controlled and run by the dollar signs. I don't. Okay, so I'll say this: the Tea Party worked, right? It now uh, in, in a number of ways, and that it got a lot of conservative Republicans elected nationwide, 
sent a lot of them to Congress, got a lot of them elected at other um, places too, and they uh, started locally. And I think we're seeing a lot of that with local groups now. I think we're seeing a lot of that around the country. And uh, they cared about purity, uh, which is not my philosophy toward politics. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not someone who needs to have somebody vote the way I want them to on every single thing because that's this is not how politics works. But um, they had a lot of people scared of giving getting primaried from the right. And there are a number of groups, Justice Democrats and groups like that, that are being very open and vocal about uh, you're going to vote the way we want you to or we're going to primary you. Now, the problem is they have to find people on the left that can actually primary them and have a shot. And that's not clear that they can do that right now. Maybe they can. Um, but so in, in those respects, the Tea Party won politically, and they also uh, changed the national conversation and moved the, nation, the entire national conversation to the right. Um, so there's a chance that we could still see that coming from um, from the ground up, and that that's how the Tea Party worked. And um, yes, the Republicans still have a lot of um, a lot of their old leadership uh, in power, but um, so I mean that, that could work. It could. We're seeing the developments of that. It doesn't happen overnight. It's been two weeks since the inauguration. Um, I would like to see the party moving more quickly. Uh, I would like to see them be less tentative about getting in on some of these things. Uh, I would like to see them taking some action and leading a little bit instead of, um, oh yeah, this is what other people are doing. So let's, let's jump into that. Um, you know, they need to show solidarity, but they also need to show some leadership as well. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, what the right answer is. Uh, there's, I think oftentimes Democrats care more about, um, winning the moral victory than winning the political victory, right? Oh, we're certainly not going to treat Trump the way he treated Obama. That was horrible. Well, the way the or you know the way the Republicans treated Obama, the way the Republicans treated Obama was horrible, um, but it was also effective. So I mean, you know, there's this balance of do you go for this kind of cold, calculated? We're going to win the political victory, so then we can actually be in place to win some of these legislative and and moral and policy victories that we want to win, or do we? you know, just care about winning the moral victory. And, um, you know, we felt like we kept our principles intact and I don't, everybody has answered that question for themselves. I can't answer that for anybody. As far as what the party should do, the party should realize, I think a lot of times you don't, maybe those aren't always mutually exclusive. So what do you think about like from a, I guess a religious point of view, I mean, between the, the national prayer breakfast this morning and you know trump talking about the johnson amendment do you think that american christianity or american christianities i guess little c uh do you think there's any kind of i guess like flexibility in and how they identify i mean i i don't know I just wonder, like, what the next 10, 15 years in a, in a Trump America is going to look like for religion. The puppies. Yeah, there's the pups. Um, you know what I mean? Like, is, yeah, is that going to change no, the equation for, for churches? Um, so we'll see what happens on the, the policy front. 
Um, we'll see if the Johnson Amendment gets repealed. Um, I think that would be a very bad idea. And in case you don't know, the, we'll have a link down in the show notes. But basically, uh, the Johnson Amendment says that Trump, uh, that Trump, that um, religious organizations that are nonprofits cannot engage in um, political campaigns. Basically, they can't give money to campaigns. They can't tell you who to vote for. They can't do those type things. Um, but they can do pretty much anything else they want. And the reality is the IRS doesn't actually enforce this, almost never enforces these rules. Um, okay, so I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and in, in the 1990s when I was a teenager. I remember we used to get these pamphlets um, around election time. And I, I remember the one for Bob Dole and Bill Clinton. And it came from Lifeway, um, I'm pretty sure. And it was like, uh, you know, here's a, a check mark distinction right. between the two political candidates and it was like you know opposes abortion opposes you know raping small children opposes interracial marriage opposes gay marriage you know like those types of things and of course it was skewed towards bob dole um and i, I just i don't know i mean we, we've, we've dealt with this for a long time but what trump is suggesting here seems wackadoodle in, in a way for somebody who, who grew up in the 20th century and kind of cherishes that distinction between church and state but where are the democrats like i haven't seen a single i follow a lot of democrats on twitter i haven't seen seen a single uh democrat speak up about that i haven't um, seen anything on cnn haven't you know haven't heard anything just lots of sounds of silence so, um, where's Obama? Our, our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. I know. Um, okay, I think that I don't know. Okay, the Johnson Amendment, I think it's good, it's helpful. Um, I'm of the mind that uh, I would like to see churches not have uh, tax exempt status, period, personally. Um, and I think then we could get out of that. We could solve a lot of problems. So, uh, so let, let's follow that. Let's follow that. So if churches don't have tax-exempt status, which I'm not against, I mean, it would radically change American <laughs> Christianity for a number of reasons, but if they yes. did not, and, and you lived in your perfect communist, atheistic world, <laughs> if churches did not have that, would that be okay for them would it be okay for them to, to speak up about political situations? Yeah, then they could do it if they wanted to. So I, I don't so, know that I think it would be right, like, or that I, but I'll, but at the same, I don't know. I also just think like the idea that religion is completely separate from politics to me is just ridiculous, right? I mean, of course, you know, I say all the time on the show, all religion is politics. Um, so the idea that you can talk about religion without being political is, I, I think, kind of absurd. You can talk about religion without saying you should vote for this person or you should not vote for that person. All right? And even under the Johnson Amendment, no, even under the Johnson Amendment, they're allowed to give out those pamphlets that are educational as long as they're not biased. But, of course, that, that pamphlet was biased, right? Um, but, I mean, there's nobody enforcing this as it is, so it's not like there aren't a ton of pastors around the country that are saying um is you know I, I imagine there are a ton around the country that are saying very clearly you cannot vote for hillary clinton or you cannot vote for that woman who lied to us about benghazi 
right? I mean, that's as clear as you can get, right? So there are pastors doing that. There are also, I'm sure, pastors saying, you've got to vote for um, Barack Obama. Um, so there are already people doing it. The question is, how do you, you know, what do you think that does to the message that you're preaching? And that's a decision that you have to make. I don't know how to make that for different churches and different pastors. But yeah, it would fundamentally change the landscape of Christianity in particular, uh, but religion more broadly in this country. But the reality is the way religion is understood in this country is... um, is overwhelmingly pro-Christian and often pro-kind of Protestant Christian as well. You know, the way that we define religion and all of these things, the way, I mean, look at the IRS standards about how they define religion. It's basically church. And they use the word church in there, which is just kind of mind-boggling, right? This is a government entity. This is a tax entity trying to define religion, and they're talking about churches. Um, And so, I don't know. I just think that in theory right now, um, you know, we we say that we have this kind of religious freedom and things like that. And I just think that it is all kind of so um, pro-Christian already that I don't really think American Christianity has anything to complain about by any means. Um, but I also think it might level the playing field a little bit if we if we get rid of some of that. I mean, level the playing field in terms of what? For other, for non-Christian groups. <laughs> so, so American Christianity or American religious landscape is kind of like a, like the fast food industry where it's like, well, kind of want a Big Mac, but I heard the Whopper's pretty good. Let me go. Let me go ahead no, over I, to no, the... I don't, uh, no, I don't mean it like that. I mean it like um, <laughs> the these sharply discounted prices or subsidized um, land purchases that churches are allowed to make in a lot of places that say a mosque would never be allowed to make yeah things like that right and and i i think i i I think that in my understanding in my opinion that violates the establishment clause Uh, and i am a you know in in i am a little b baptist even though i'm now in the presbyterian denomination and always will be when it comes to the separation of church and state no, you're um, Presbyterian. You're, you've bought into the <laughs> so Calvin's um, ideal. So yeah, I mean, Trump wants to. He said at the prayer breakfast this morning, right? He wants to destroy the Johnson Amendment. The reality is, he actually can't. That's not a power that he has as president. But if he pushes it hard enough, he may be able to get the uh, Republican Congress to do it for him. Um, I think that would be a mistake. Uh, and then if you look at the leaked draft that came out of his um, religious freedom uh, ex- executive order that they're, you know, dancing around saying, oh, we don't really you know there's hundreds of drafts of things going around um, that that executive order. If you all remember the Indiana RFRA Religious Freedom Restoration Act uh, from a couple years ago, 2015, I think uh, that was bad. And this makes that look like uh, child's play. I mean, this is uh, kind of amazing with how sweeping it is and how clearly it wants to legalize discrimination. Um, it talks very clearly about, you know, people with their, you know, if, that they should be protected if they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and things like that. Very clearly does not talk about, um, you know, progressive liberal views. It only talks about conservative uh, religious views. So, um, yeah, I think. If these things get through, it is going to fundamentally change what uh, religion kind of looks like in this country. But 
I still am a firm believer that if we have a country in another 10 or 15 years, and that's still up for debate, I guess, or to be seen, um, then I think that conservative evangelical Christianity is going to come out the loser. Not in the short term, but I think in the long term they will. Uh, And I think their almost unquestioning support of Trump uh, will be what does them in. Okay, so in your, you know, we we spent the better part of a year and a half on this show talking about the election and and our predictions. And, you know, we we like to poke fun at Trump along the way and Cruz and Huckabee and Hillary and Bernie and all that stuff. Um, In your heart of hearts, did you ever think that we'd be sitting here on February the 2nd, 2017, in the reality that Donald Trump is president? No, I mean, like, was there, said, it was it was one iota of, of Thomas who said, you know what, okay. I might be wrong. So, like Thomas, so there was, you might be right. Wrong. I went back and read some of the pieces that I that I wrote. I, you know, I wrote a fair amount about Trump over the last year and was, um, you know, started, you know, sometime early 2015, uh, or the kind of summer 2015, fall 2015, issuing warnings because I really began to get concerned about. Um, uh, the things that Donald Trump was saying and uh, what he could potentially do and um, and how dangerous I thought he was. And, uh, you know, if you followed my writing, that got, um, you know, that kind of ratcheted up uh, as time went on. Uh, but, I, you know, I did, uh, you know, I, have a, I had a piece where I talked about, um, you know, he's not like uh, anybody we've ever seen before and that's what makes him so dangerous and that's why he may just win. Uh, so I had an inkling of a thought, but I don't know. It was maybe one or two percent. I mean, I was just convinced that Hillary Clinton was going to win. I mean, and I, I have to keep reminding myself of that. I don't want to, you know, I really don't want to kind of engage in revisionist history myself. I was fully convinced she was going to win. Um, so no, I mean, there really was. There was maybe an inkling that thought there's a possibility, but. No, not really. I did not expect we'd be sitting here on February 2nd and talking about Donald Trump as president and him threatening to invade Mexico. Right? All right. So, so can I, uh, can I, I'm going to put my card down. I voted for John Kasich uh, here in, in South Carolina. And I thought at the time there might be an opportunity, even though I didn't like Kasich you know, for a number of reasons, but out of the morass of, of the pool that we were swimming in, like it was either going to be Rubio or him. You know, Jeb at that point was pretty much done. Jeb. Um, and in case it kind of seemed like the, the one quasi moderate, you know, who would kind of be a George W figure who wouldn't be too bad, but you know, but, but not also pull things too far to the other other side. Um, but I, I'm, I'm thinking back now to the, you know, the debates and, and the primaries and all those things that we've covered. And it's pretty amazing. I mean, holy cow, like Trump did it. So to, to think that he went through all that and did what he did and achieved what he achieved when we sit here and talk about the Johnson Amendment, those t- those types of things, like 
it's not hard for me to believe he's going to get what he wants out of that as well. No, I think you're right. No, certainly um, at this point, I mean, and you and I, I, you know, our listeners may um, think that we're kind of just all depressing lately. Um, but I, I will I will let you in on a secret that what we talk about on the show is not nearly as depressing as what we talk about off the show. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that sounds bad. But uh, we have a lot of yeah. um, theories about things that are going to happen in the future that it's, just, it's not helpful for anybody to talk about on the show. But um no, I, I think that's. I think you're right. There is. I don't see any reason that I'll, most of these things don't happen. Now we did see the kind of ethics thing. Now this wasn't Trump. This was Congress, right? But uh, right, right away they tried to roll back ethics requirements, and there was this kind of vast outcry, and uh, that got you know squashed. So that we saw that. Anyway, I think we should count that as a success. Um, the ACLU did win and, you know, a stay a very for a you know small portion of the uh, immigration and refugee ban executive order. Uh, I really do think that as that gets fought in court, that that will uh, end up uh, getting overturned, whether it happens before the 90 days there is up or not. I'm not sure. Um, and whether it's actually only 90 days or not is still up for debate. I kind of doubt. I, I just fully expect that, that that gets extended and they um, kind of make those little steps like that. So, no, I, I think you're right that at this point, what we're realizing is that we should have been taking him literally. You know, this whole question, you know, his advisor saying, oh, you can't take him literally, but you have to take him seriously. Well, we, we should have been taking him literally and seriously, which you and I were kind of doing later on uh, in the election, certainly by fall 2015 and later. I think you and I were doing that um but yeah, I think at this point we have to see, okay, what did he say? And um, he's pretty much, he's kind of held to that, right? I mean, you know, as if you're just going to rate a president on, has he kept his promises? So far, he's done a pretty good job of keeping the promises that he made. The problem is we think, you know, I think a lot of these promises are kind of rather horrible things, right? You know, uh, I think we have, we are at one step toward a complete Muslim ban, Um there are people in his he has surrounded himself with people that are dangerously islamophobic uh, i just don't see any way that this immigration refugee executive order is the last that we hear from the trump administration on uh, islam there steve bannon and others truly believe that, that we are in a clash of civilizations against christianity again you know against islam essentially um there's no way that in, ends positively. So I think you're absolutely right. I mean, he has the Congress, which has shown essentially zero backbone. The, the Republicans in Congress and a lot of the Democrats in Congress have shown basically no spine at all to stand up to Trump. Uh, and so there's no reason to believe that he doesn't get the vast majority of what he wants. Which is I guess scary to think ultimate. about when you think about the Johnson Amendment and you, you know, think about you know these. Uh, you and I talked a long time ago, right? The the next big battle we were going to see, the next big social battle, was going to be religious freedom, and that's exactly right. what we're seeing here. Yeah, we called it because we did many many shows on the whole Indiana thing, and I thought that was, I thought we killed it. You know, I thought uh, not not in a good way. I thought we, <laughs> I we're thought we overdid it. it. Yeah. yeah, and we talked about that. And I was like, oh, we don't need to talk about religious freedom anymore. Like that's. You know that's not going to be really a big factor, um, and I, I honestly think that's going to be a big, big, big factor in the coming month. 
or day, <laughs> depending on the, <laughs> right. the news cycle. Yeah. So it's Whatever like, you Tucker know, Carlson wants to talk about tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's going to have what's Milo the on the show. Yeah. Um, what's so, the verse? Okay, um, all right. Let, what's yeah, that? Yeah, is it in Second Peter a day is like a thousand years? <laughs> that, oh. That's what the Trump administration feels like right now. That's um, in Psalms. Is it in Psalms? Okay. Yeah. Second Peter. What are you, Oikonos? Um, yeah, so Milo is going to be on uh, Tucker Carlson tonight on Fox News at 9 o'clock. Did you watch any of that last night with with the whole... Um, uh, I saw stuff on Twitter, but that was... Yeah. Which is you know, you, the best, obviously the best place to get breaking news, like kind of real-time news. Do people over, I guess, 30 or 40 know who Milo, um, whatever his name is, Jan, Jan Kinevoss, like... So, I don't know. Is that I a young person thing? Or is that like a, a, a middle-aged white male, like Sam Harrelson, you know, 40-year-old thing? I think it's... Because I, I see I, it, I see it so on like I the Reddit, but... I, right, I it's know. kind of a young person thing in that he is doing a lot of stuff on college campuses. Um... But, you know, I don't know. I don't know the audience that, like, knows him. It's pretty brilliant. I mean, I, I know it's tied to 4chan. And, you know, there, there's some there's some of the Reddit, but it, it's a lot of the kind of the, the underground, like, Pepe 4chan type stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like you said, the college campus area. So it tends to skew young, I imagine. Right. And he's a young guy. But, you know, he's homosexual, but he's, you know, ardently according to his rhetoric, you know, kind of non-PC or anti-PC or whatever. But right. not only that, but like, you know, abusive to like the, the lady who was the actress on or actor in uh, Ghostbusters, whatever. Like, that's weird to, I don't know, to, to, to use him as sort of the, the stand-up person. Because all day on, on Twitter and stuff I've seen today, like people saying, well, how can the ACLU say that they're all for rights and free speech, but they're not protecting him and he's being uh, abused and, and not given his free speech rights to go speak at a public university. <laughs> anyway, um, you, you know, like it's a, it's a fascinating kind of uh crux point to, to hang your hat on. Well, have, have you ever like watched anything of his on YouTube before? Um, I don't know if I've watched anything of his on YouTube, but I have. It's 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 very it's very strange. I mean, it's it's interesting rhetoric rhetoric, but it's uh, I don't know. It's very um, I'm not gonna say like disturbing, but the 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 way that he uses sort of young memetics to make the point he's trying to make in a way I'm not gonna say brainwashy but in a way that that sort of says like hey it's okay to hate (laughs) I know you're young I know you're white uh but that's okay that's cool um and here's why that's okay and you can call me you know a a, a slur word for homosexual and that's okay and I don't know it's 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 very uh disturbing on on a certain level I'm well, but it, you know, it does fit into the, um, you know, the narrative that we heard from some Republicans over the past year or so of, um, you know, well, we're too PC, 
Right, so it does kind of fit into that. But the the free speech thing is always kind of crazy to me. There's this this great XKCD comic about it. We'll put that in the show notes. But basically, I mean, you know, I have to say this like every time this comes up, um, like your right to free speech essentially means the government can't infringe upon your right to say what you want to say and can't arrest you for saying things unless it's you know, violent and things like that. There are very few exceptions. It doesn't mean that other people can't say, we don't want to listen to you and we don't want to give you a platform to say what you want to say. Uh, So this idea that some people have uh, across the board, that free speech means I should be able to say whatever I want to say, whenever I want to say it, to whomever I want to say it, wherever I want to say it, and they need to listen to me and be happy about it is just absurd. Um, Yeah, the First Amendment does not protect you from criticism. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> that's it's a it's a big old wild wild world out but, there. And so, you know, I'm still thinking about Trump's speech at the prayer breakfast this morning because, honestly, it's just insane. I finished uh, Michael Weir <laughs> Michael Weir's book um, this week, or I read it in one sitting in this weekend. Um, and he led Faith Outreach for Obama's 2012 campaign and worked in his the Office of Faith-Based Neighborhood Initiatives uh, in the White House with Obama. And so he wrote a book, you know, Reclaiming Hope. Um, and, and it's a good book, but he was talking about a you know, prayer breakfast uh, stuff with Obama. And I'm you know, thinking, like, I can't imagine Donald Trump at a prayer breakfast. It's going to be crazy. And what we got today was it's crazy. It was crazy, right? So he, he applauds himself. He says, we need to pray for Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's not getting good ratings on The Apprentice. Um, and so he does all this kind of crazy stuff. But then he comes to back to some really ominous stuff, right? It's what you and I were talking about, um, where he says that, uh, you know, we're, that we need security. And those uh, there are those who would seek to enter our country for the purpose of spreading violence or oppressing other people based upon their faith or their lifestyle. Not right. We will not allow a beachhead of intolerance to spread in our nation, uh, which obviously he would never have written that line himself. Uh, So in the coming days, we will develop a system to help ensure that those admitted into our country fully embrace our values of religious and personal liberty, which on the one hand sounds great. Right. But then you look what he's trying to advance with his executive order. You look what he's trying to do with the Johnson Amendment uh, and and essentially what this comes down to is this comes, it looks like there are going to be uh, belief tests, right? Do you believe in America? Do you believe America is the greatest country on earth? Do you believe in one God? Do you believe in the Christian God? Do you believe that Jesus was the son of God, right? That's not a far step to make um, when we start putting these re- these really arbitrary requirements that obviously we can't define, right? From, a, from an academic and, and scholarly perspective, you can't define these as, you know, whatever, but... Um, Yeah, I don't see – that's one of the dangers that I see coming down the road of – right, that you have to believe the regime's message. And, you know, the way Emma Green wrote about it for The Atlantic was, you know, this kind of message of religious nationalism uh, that Trump is is spreading. And and I I think Trump is using – the the religion aspect of it i don't think that he i don't think he personally really cares whether people believe in god or not or or believe in jesus but it's worked for him so so far and the evangelicals love it and they're supporting him and they got him to the white house um and there are other people around him who really do believe that um and it's you know it's an effective argument and you know i think it's i think it's pretty dangerous and you know there was another um piece that 
you know, we'd looked at that um, talks about American Christianity being in turmoil, largely in response to um, the refugee crisis and, and some Christians basically saying, oh, we don't really need to take in refugees. Like, we don't really need to help the poor and the destitute, do we? Even though, um, you know, if you say that you do what Jesus said to do, then maybe you do. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, so I'm just... Yeah, I think they're particularly as a, as they pertain to religion. We've got things uh, coming in the future that are not actually going to advance religious freedom. They're actually going to curtail, curtail religious freedoms, um, and they're they're going to be designed to prop up a particular uh, understanding and interpretation of conservative evangelical Christianity, and to pop that up, uh, prop that up is essentially a national religion tied in with nationalism, right? Uh, even more than we've seen, like, you know, it's, it's one thing for all the politicians to say, God bless America, but that's, I don't think that holds a candle to what we're going to see in the near future. I, I think going to a NASCAR race and, and seeing, you know, the devotion to kind of that civic religion that we've talked about before, I, I think that's very going to, uh, going to be, I guess, very close to what you're talking about, Right kind of that that god bless america um we're not going to say it's christian but you know the the judeo-christian tradition type thing right they're going to say judeo-christian right Right. because that's that's kind of what they need to uh need to say which is funny Um, because it's so mid 20th century but yeah right yeah and there's there's (laughs) a host of issues with that but um it's like it's like today in our in our tweets when you said something about doing redaction criticism on Trump's speech. I'm like, right. God, don't, don't mix that. Like Gerhard von Rad would not be excited about you mixing. No, but the point with redaction criticism is just that you can read like his prayer breakfast speech. You can read that and you can pick out every line that was written for him that he would never have written for himself. And then the ones where he was like, I don't know, like, I just got to say words like, yeah, very, very bigly way to go. We won. Uh, I mean, I'm like just he, he has like an insanely small thousand years from now, like picking apart and using source criticism, right? Like, <laughs> source criticism, clearly, yeah, clearly. You know, Stephen Miller this line. this line. This was the Bannon source, <laughs> right? Exactly, the B source and the T source. <sighs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I would say it's not going to be like going to a NASCAR race uh, because mm-hmm. the difference is everybody there is doing it of their own volition or most everyone there. Um, I, I think that the difference will be that it's, it's not going to be voluntary and not, and, and I don't, I don't know that we're going to get to the place where, you know, you essentially have a regime agents saying, you know, do you believe in Jesus? And if you say no, they're going to shoot you. Um, but you know, the, the atmosphere is going to be such that, um, it's not going, they're going to make it dangerous to not be, you know, not espouse conservative Christian views that are tied in with nationalism. I mean, I, I think, that's, I, I think, that, I think people would say that's already, already the case. Yeah, no, I, I do think you're right. I just think we're, I think what we're experiencing, we think what we have now is bad. I think what we have now is bad. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything yet. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a heck of a way to end the show.
No, you know how we should end it, actually, in a much more lighthearted manner. Um, We should let our our listeners know, in case they didn't know already, that Donald Trump's Supreme Court pick, Gorsuch. And by the way, there are a lot of really good uh, Gorsuch a time as this jokes on Twitter that I saw. Um, (laughs) Founded a fascism forever club in high school. Yeah, so that'll help at, at his well prep school. Tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you know, let alone the terrorists that that shot up the the mosque in Quebec, you know, in Quebec City, right? Yeah, uh, the, white, the white nationalist, nationalist. Well, you know, maybe not white nationalist, but white guy supporter of Trump, um, supposedly. Um, yeah, went and Dylan shot Root. up a mosque and killed six people. I mean, just absolutely devastating. I mean, that's wasn't it was five or six people. I mean, that's almost as many people has died at Mother Emanuel on Charles. I mean, that is, it's devastating, but you're not, I mean, not, yes, I mean, Canadian sources are talking about it more, but I mean, there's kind of nothing here, hardly anything here, which is not really surprising, but it is. Um, but let, let's focus on, I mean, just to hear the stories of the people who were stranded at airports and, you know, who had sold everything in Jordan and Syria and, and were trying to get here because they'd gone through the whole two-year, three-year process. And, I mean, this morning at NPR, I, I, was, <laughs> I was in the bathroom shaving and, and doing my morning ritual of getting ready before work. And I was, you know, had NPR on my phone playing while I'm sitting there shaving or standing there uh, shaving. And um, it was a story of, of this family who, the guy was a, a geography teacher, history geography teacher in, in Syria, in Aleppo. And he fled, got to Jordan, took his family, two kids. They just had another little kid. And, you know, he went through the whole process. He'd worked with the U.S. government for two and a half years. And they sold everything. Bags were packed. They were on the airplane over. They got to, like, France, and they had to turn around and come back. And they got back, and, like, now they have nothing. (laughs) And, like, they paid all their money to the immigration firm and all this stuff. And And they were, like we believe in America and, and the little three-year-old girl was like, president Trump doesn't like us, you know? And, and I don't know to hear that from a generation of people, even if it's only a few hundred people, according to Sean Spicer that have been quote, un, you know, inconvenienced, like my God, like what have we done? Well, I will say this, yeah. um, this, and this is on a bit of a positive note. I have seen a reporting coming from, uh, inside of Iran, and Iraq where people are saying that they thought America hated them, but actually seeing the protests and seeing how vociferously so many Americans are opposing Trump and, you know, how many people are at the airport saying we welcome refugees and cheering for uh, the people that had been uh, held when they were finally released after hours and hours, um, that that is changing their perception of America because they believe that the American people are maybe not as crazy as our leaders. So there is some... It is not all bad, um, and and that you know, if if nothing else, the the protests and the public demonstrations are good for that. Yeah, that's true, and it's it's like what we've talked about. You know, I mean, maybe Trump is the curse we needed to get our house in order. You know, like maybe that's what we needed to come together as a country. And if we elected a, a centrist, that would have like Obama. I mean, Obama was a centrist; <laughs> he was not a liberal. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> that that's what blows my mind when people are like, oh, that liberal. Um, but, you know, maybe Trump is that impetus that we need to, to 
come together as a country and say, you know what, we're better together than we are apart. Well, everything or, for a reason. You know, David Bowie was right, and we should be afraid of Americans. Yeah. I'm well, either, I can't help yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So on that note. Uh, why don't our listeners send us some positive things they want to hear us talk about? Because clearly, <laughs> I had a whole list. I, I mean, I've got—I literally have a whole list, and I can't believe we spent the whole time talking about this. Let, let's just scrap this one and, and start over and talk about this is ground. Yeah, talk about leather products. Yeah, there's let's a, talk about there's leather a lot products. happening on the leather product front these days. I was so. trying to get you going on the leather and lace thing. You just had two bids on your uh, on your eBay thing. Oh yeah, good, good. Yeah, I'm selling my uh, mod, uh, my mod on eBay, and uh, so if you get in, it depends on when we get the show up. But if you get in in time, it ends sometime. I'm gonna on, get it up tonight on Friday. Um, then then you might can buy a mod from uh, the one and only. You Dr. could have the Thomas mod that Tom, that the Thomas Whitley used. I almost said Tom I Whitley. Glad you, you took up a Tom Whitley. That's that's a good name. No, no it's not. Um, that's a good name, Tom Whitley. That's that's like a that's like a Springsteen lyric. <laughs> Tom Whitley, come on. You yeah, thought about no, it? No, I'm, uh, actually, I have not thought about going by that. Um, All right, so if, if you went by Tom Whitley, would it be T O M or T H O M? T H O M, because yeah, of course you're just going to shorten yeah. the name. Just take the ass off of Tom. Exactly, but I'm I am a. <laughs> I am a stickler for you do not shorten names. So I uh, should be Samuel? Yes. If your parents you name you Samuel, Cooley? they should call you Samuel. <laughs> okay, so here's okay. the thing. If you introduce yourself and say, hi, I'm Sam, I'm not going to say, hey, Samuel, because I know your birth name was Samuel. I'm not going to yeah. be that guy. But, you know, what happens all the time is you go to... You know, you go to a store, car dealership or something. There's a salesman. I say, hey, hey, I'm Thomas. All right, Tom, I got a deal for you. I'm out the door. I, you can't respect me enough to call me I by the name that I introduce myself. What? No, I'm out the door. I, and I just think like this idea, and I'm. this is going to be the most offensive thing I've said on the show probably to a lot of our oh, listeners. Really, this is going to be it. But I, I cannot wrap my head around, I'm going to name my child this thing planning to call them something else all right so what about my kid all right so one of my kids mary hudson has two names bless her heart you know my, but you call her mary hudson. name on the show I, well, yeah and lc right i call her right and i call her full names i do so what about little man who i you know his his he's a the junior difference is he's he's a junior right and so you so have to do something name. there and and i can i can understand that um, you know, if you want to should go with the junior. junior, or no, should, should, should I go with junior. the first name or the the middle name? You have to make a decision there, and I can't guide you on that. But, uh, <laughs> so so I if I go with the middle name, like we have, like do I call him the whole middle name, like the tribe of Israel? Yes, you should actually. <laughs> I just this is a keep of mine. I actually, wearing I cannot, a yarmulke. Yeah, Judah, cannot, come here. Um, come here, tribe of Israel. Um, come here, Manasseh. <laughs> Gad. It's a car. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. This is a short one. You can pick a tribe of Israel name, and it's short, so you don't have to shorten it anymore. Just Dan. Go Gad or Dan. Dan. Um, I like it's a car though. Is it a bus? No, is I just it a cannot, no, it's a car. <laughs> I cannot. Um, I just can't stand it. Like, if you're gonna, I'm gonna call you whatever you tell me to call you when you introduce yourself. But man, it just really grates on me. 
All right, so so John, if, if someone's name is Jonathan, you call him Jonathan? It, well, no. If they, it depends on how they introduce it, themselves to me. If they introduce themselves as, as John, you you. But is that John. great? Don't you just say like, why don't you, why don't you own your name and call yourself Jonathan? Yeah, that's definitely what I think. Like, that's not your name. Wow, that's weird. You're so weird. So I think a right, lot so, of this comes from the fact that I. So my name is Thomas. Um, but growing up for a long time, I was Tommy and, um, uh, I made the executive decision at a certain point in my life when I was sixth grade uh, that I was no longer Tommy. I was Thomas. And, um, I was rather out. adamant about it. If, if you can imagine, I'm sure that's surprising to you. And, uh, and I won that battle. So people call me the, the vast majority of people call me Thomas. I mean, my family calls me Thomas. Oh yeah. Um, oh, no. so uh, so I think that I have, you know, maybe these kind of deep you know, scars from that experience in my early childhood. Uh, you know, you know, it's funny though. I care about this so much. When I was when I was a middle school teacher, especially like eighth grade, uh, like every year there was there was particularly a, a female student who had a middle name that, like, um, I, I won't say their names, but there are a couple that. And and they still go by that middle name, and I started calling them like first name, middle name, like like you know my daughters right, with right. MHLC, and uh, and they started going by that again in eighth grade, and their parents were kind of like, what what what? Like why are you calling my kid like this? <laughs> right, that's not their name. And I'm like, well, that's what they want to be called, and and I would like celebrate that, or I would say like like one year I I didn't get in trouble, but I was like, you have a very cool middle name, like you should go with the double thing here because that really works well. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of renamed her. Nice. Um, so her her name was yeah. Uh, I, I renamed her Israel. Uh, her name was Jacob. But right. I, and anyway, so <laughs> you know, like they still call themselves that. So we're friends on Facebook or whatever, and I see that now, and I'm like, holy crap! Like that changed their whole, you changed that person's <laughs> their life. whole lives. <laughs> yeah. So was it a teacher or was it just a? Uh, no, just it was you me. kind of saying, like, I don't Tommy, want to be Tommy. Tommy is a really, it's yeah, like you're a not kid's a Tommy. name. Right, it's a kid's name. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah know, my, my grandma was, called me Sammy, and I would I not be Sammy. More, I was much more, um, I don't know, kind of intense when I was growing up. I guess I'm still fairly intense now, but I was definitely way more intense when I was younger. And so I did not want to have a kid's name. I wanted to have an adult name. And Thomas is an adult name. Tommy was not. So, um, yeah, I've got some baggage. <laughs> no, that's, that's, I mean. <laughs> You know, call me call me Ishmael. The whole book the whole book is about identity. Tacit this implicit. Is absolutely true. Yes, exactly. You know, he's floating on the door at the end and, and they're like, So what's your name? And he it, it ends there and it's like, Whoa, is he gonna be Ishmael again or is it gonna be something else? Jacob wrestled the angel and the angel was overcome. Names are important. Call me we, call me yeah. Israel. We could do yeah. it. We could do a show on that too. So now, so now the secret's out, and um, I I will accept all the hate mail coming my way uh, for my staunch stance on you should actually call some call your child what you name them. Doesn't well, seem like yeah. that radical to me, but basically nobody does it these days. That's how your I'm wife feeling. your wife Bathila is going to be really upset. Well, I just I just don't get it. Like, why would you <laughs> why would you give someone a name intending to call them something else? What about juniors? <laughs> yeah, I told you that's the exception. Okay, that's the exception. But yeah. but I don't want to be Samuel. Like what? A, like can you imagine me walking around being like, "Hi, I'm Samuel." Yeah. Like unless I'm wearing a yarmulke, like that's kind of weird. 
Samuel's not like an overly Jewish name. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's the most overly Jewish name. No, it's not. Okay. Yes, obviously it's a Semitic name. Like it's a Hebrew name, but yeah. I don't mm. feel I don't feel grief. Have you ever met a non-Jewish white guy who walks around and calls himself Samuel? Like name one. Famous, non famous. You can't. I don't know that many like Sam's or Samuels. Really? Yeah, I know. He kind of fell out of favor. But it's not like yeah. it's not like Jonathan or... I mean, I know a lot of Jonathans. I know a lot of Thomases. I know a lot of... Not a lot, but I mean, I, I know a few. Like, you're not the only Thomas I know. Or like Mariana. I don't call her Mary, even though her name's Mariana, which is Right, her is name weird. is actually just Mariana. Like, it's not... It's not bittersweet. Like, who names her kid Bittersweet? Um, and they misspelled it, too. But she does have a cool domain name. Um... But, you know, Matthew, like those types of names that are kind of common. But but Jonathan, uh, that's like, I, my name is Paulus. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to call you Samuel from now on out. Christopher. Christopher. Even Christopher is better than Samuel. There's nothing wrong with Samuel. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, ever... There you go. There you go. Uh, a famous guy that's not white whose name is Samuel who goes I said, by Samuel. I said, a white, I said a white Protestant guy because of that. <laughs> we yeah yeah you have you've never you and you can't name one i bet you can't name one if oh, you can on, out there on. if anyone out there can name one a a, a white protestant or white i'll say non-jewish person name That's, who 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 has a name sam who goes about samuel i will send you something from this is ground so his name is samuel he doesn't have the name sam and go by samuel his name is samuel and he goes by samuel he goes by his name, as you would say. By his name, exactly. But but uh, you can't you can't find those people unless they're Samuel L. Jackson, and he and he owns that, and he can do that. He even puts an L in there because you know, know he didn't he didn't care. He's it's he's like a honey Thomas badger. Dot <laughs> com. No, Hashtag. it's, it's ThomasWhitley.com now. But I know. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, where can you find us? You know where to find us. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Whitley. Sam is at Sam Harrelson. And you can always find more great podcasts at thinking.fm. 